Well, friends, we're going to dive into our second week of Happy Hunting, a series that Adam and Jeremy and I have been working on, and we thought that it would be crucial to talk about where we're trying to find and search for happiness and joy and fulfillment. And in a world where we now as a community have more than ever, why are we still struggling to find it? And as I was thinking about this message, I was in a noisy coffee shop called Phil's, which is awesome, and had a flashback to a time when I was in elementary school. Um, And I don't know about your guys' elementary schools, but at my elementary school, recess and lunch were king, right? We would play basketball and volleyball, um, dodgeball, kickball, soccer. We also had this like weird nation ball game where it was like kind of like dodgeball, but different and much better. Um, But the time that we had to play together never seemed like it was long enough. And so at lunchtimes, my friends and I, we'd finish inhaling our food, and then we'd walk up to the edge of this line that was painted on the ground that we couldn't cross. It served as like a fortress, keeping us in the lunch area and out of the playground area. And we would count down the seconds until the lunch ladies would blow their whistles to letting us know that eating was over and time for playing was now. And as soon as they would blow it, we would run to this box that had all the sports equipment in it. And it was just like in the Hunger Games when everyone's running to get their weapons. <laughs> we would run and we would just get whatever, whatever ball that we wanted to play with. whatever. Um, and then we would run to that court or that field. And then the next part of the process of lunchtime play was almost as important to me as what game that we were playing. It was on who was on which team. Right? And we would usually pick a captain. Right? The two best players from each side would line up over there, and then the rest of us would be on this line, and they would pick one by one by one by one until the teams were full, and then we would start playing and play until the bell rang. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight right there. That is probably the beginning of my journey to achieve status. Right? I had to be either the kid that was picking the teams or one of the kids that was picked first so that I could also influence who was going to be on our teams. And that made me feel important or needed, sought after, joyful, maybe even prideful that I was on this side of the line looking at the kids that were on the other side of the line. And that's our topic for tonight. It's status. Merriam-Webster defines status as the relative rank in a hierarchy of prestige. And in the hierarchy of lunchtime sports, I had to be at the top or either picking or being picked first. Now, what is it about status or about achieving, about being seen as something better than what we actually are that kind of makes it so universal to all of us, right? We're all probably thinking it in one form or the other, whether that's trying to be an executive or a director at work, or maybe at school trying to get on dean's list or honor roll, or maybe it's a higher social status, trying to get more Instagram followers. Maybe it's having a certain reputation or popularity or achieving the status of relationship goals, or maybe just being in a relationship, right? And I want to dig a little bit deeper tonight and try to find the why behind we want to gain status, right? Is it in order to pump up our own egos, in order to provide some standard of worth for ourselves, right? Maybe thinking that if I get that promotion, if I get that job, if I get that grade, if I go on that vacation to that festival, hashtag fire festival, then I will be more <laughs> elite or important. Will, I, will that ultimately lead to happiness, Right? And I want to make a distinction here. This is something that I kind of wrestled with while I was grappling with this topic. Are our status and achieving linked? Right? I don't want you to come away from this message thinking, well, then I shouldn't try to work hard. I shouldn't better myself. I should just let go and let God do whatever he wants me to do in his life, and that will be it, and things will be great. But I don't think that's, that's the case. I think that Jesus himself modeled this best for us. Right? He was the savior of the world, had the highest status, and yet he still knew the importance of letting that go because he came down 
and he counted his status as nothing. He came to serve, to serve the lowly, to serve those to have that had no status, right? Not to be served. And I think there's an illustration of Matthew 20, 28 up here of a picture of Jesus. <laughs> That's it right there. Yep, that was the message translation, <laughs> Matthew 20, 28. And I believe God calls us to better ourselves daily, right? He teaches us to do so all throughout the Bible. And I think in modern day terms that his examples can be thought of like this. Are we living for more, growing, becoming better, smarter, stronger than we were yesterday? And at the heart of that achievement or that status, is it for our own sake or is it for the sake of becoming ever improving vessels for God to use? Right? Are we using status and platform and influence that has been entrusted in us by God for his benefit, for the sake of love and for justice? Here at the cafe in, in the morning services, Pastor John has been spending the last couple months going through 1 Corinthians. And in chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says this about us and our status. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whichever situation or status the Lord has assigned to them. Just as God has called them, this is the rule that I lay out for all of the churches, right? So yes, we must strive to become better, but we also must be earnestly present in where we are right here and right now. Now, this pursuit of status is something that I've struggled with and will probably continue to struggle with for the rest of my life. For me, alongside that, and maybe underneath status was pride. And with pride came control, right? I had to have control in order to feel safe and secure. And I tried to seek higher status in order to get that. My story is littered with examples of striving to achieve title or status in the hopes that it would make me happy, that it would make my life fuller, that I would see myself as more valuable. And as some of you may know, after I graduated the days, or after I graduated from my days on the playground, I went on to play varsity basketball and volleyball. And I was the captain of both those teams, and I was actually the Scholar Athlete of the Year for my school. I was voted best overall in the high school yearbook, which is just so weird to think about now. Um, but don't get me wrong, I'm totally speaking from like the perspective that I have now. Um, but at those times, things, those things made me feel important and loved and valuable. And I went on to Cal Poly to study landscape architecture, a top school in the nation for that degree. I played volleyball for the men's club team there, and it went on where we went on to consistently place top 10 in the nation and where we would win national titles. And after I graduated from there, I got a really, really cool job in Huntington Beach, working for an award-winning design landscape architecture firm um, where people would willingly pay a premium because they knew of the excellence that was associated with that name. And after about two years of working there, I found myself number two right underneath the boss in the company. So on paper, I had it all, right? I had the career, I had the award-winning past, the coveted college experience, and yet the popularity, um, but something in me still, it didn't feel completely fulfilled. And that led to the pressure of me battling thoughts of why am I not happier? And in some instances, I felt like I had to maintain this reputation that I built for myself, right? With my seemingly perfect life, my solid group of friends, my stability at work. And these only added to, my, to the depths of the lack of my happiness. It was like my happiness was determined by what I did or what I had and not by who I was or who Jesus was calling me to be. I knew that I needed more, and it was about that time that I started going back to church, right, to a young adults program similar to what we have here. And I would go semi-consistently, and then I remember one Sunday in specific, the band played a song called Oceans by Hillsong. Oof, great, great song. And I was like, God was speaking straight to me, and I was like, yes, Lord, take whatever you want. <laughs> and it was at that moment I actually 
gave God like my life, gave control of my life again. And with that came a journey of where I was going to learn how to say goodbye of achieving, a status, of achieving status and happiness for my own sake and become focused and growing open to God and available for him to use for his sake. And then to find joy and happiness in that process. So friends, I think that's what life is all about, what status and achievements is all about. It's about stewarding who we are and what we have been given in order to deepen our relationship with Jesus. So let's consider this. What if you strive and work and grow your entire life to reach your potential, right? The potential that is inspired and derived by who you see yourself becoming. That would be really cool. But let's think about this. What if you strive and work and grow your availability to what God has planned for your life? To then put your potential from your life, from your hands into his hands. How much different would that look? I don't know. Friends, I want us to focus on our availability to God and not our potential. Guys, invite God in. Surrender your status and your achievements to him, and God will take our earthly status and potential. He'll toss it out and instill a life of fulfillment greater than what we can imagine. And I was recently in Hawaii on a little bit of a spiritual retreat where I was visiting a church and heard an amazing guest speaker, Dr. Bob Harrison, teach about a Bible story that I had heard a hundred times, but he kind of flipped it on his head. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. It should be on the screens as well. This is where Jesus is calling his first disciples. So one day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and the people were crowding all around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats that were left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into, the, into one of the boats, the one belonging, belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, put out in deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when he had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were, were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled out their nets from shore, or so they pulled their boats onto shore, left everything, and followed him. Well, cool story, Mark. Now, what does this have to do with status, right? The Bible is full of rulers, kings, heads of armies, leaders of nations. So why are we talking about fishermen? Well, this story tells us why we are meant to increase, to increase our status, to increase our lives, and not only why, but how we are supposed to do that. Okay, so let's just imagine that we're, we're there, right? Jesus is walking on the beach, and he feels the need to teach the crowd. And if there's a crowd of people there, then this must not be some remote edge of a lake like I always had imagined it. Um, I would think it would be more like a port or a cove or a stretch of shoreline where maybe a fleet of boats are docked. Right, because back then fishing was a commercial profession, just like it is today. They had to pay taxes, had processing fees, required fishermen to have licenses. So it's reasonable su to suggest that this location was used for commercial fishing. Right, and we know that Jesus is extremely intentional. Right, I would imagine that there would be a bunch of boats there if they were fishing commercially for to feed an entire village. So out of the fleet of boats, why did Jesus choose Simon's boat? Well, let's press on, but remember that question. 
So when they went to the boat and Jesus finishes his teaching, um, then they co- then command Simon to cast his nets. And imagine what Simon was thinking, right? This is a professional fisherman, probably with like his orange overalls, his bucket hat, you know, maybe big tall boots, cigarette out of his mouth, missing teeth, probably cursing under his breath. But n- that's probably a little bit too far. But he just finished fishing all throughout the night. And if you've ever been fishing, you would know the frustration of fishing and not catching anything. It should be called casting, not fishing. Am I right? <laughs> uh, so he was probably really frustrated, so he probably was cursing. I take that back. But despite his hesitations that he wouldn't catch anything, with all of his experience, he listened to Jesus. And so he casts his nets out, and then to his surprise and his awe, his net was completely full, right? So much so that the nets began to break. Well, friends, here comes a game-time decision, right? You're Simon. Your nets are going to break or your boat is going to sink. What do you do? Right? If he keeps the catch all to himself, then he risks losing it all, right? Or, and probably his boat to the lake because it's going to sink. So he called over his partners, James and John, to share his catch. And that's it right there, right? God wants to increase you so that you can be a blessing, right? He wants to increase your status, your influence, your life so that you can share the increase that is going to sink your boat with others. Because if we are so focused on our catch, then it will sink us or our nets will break. And look what this act from Simon did to James and John, right? It blessed them immensely with more fish than they can handle, so much so that it was going to sink their boats. But instead of taking that catch straight to market, probably fetching a better price than what they would have gotten on any other day, they decided to leave that all behind with their boats and their nets and their lives and follow Jesus. Right? This simple act of Simon sharing a blessing caused the three of them to leave behind their lives and follow into a life of great unknown. So remember that question, why did Jesus choose Simon's boat? Well, I believe it's because Jesus knew that they would be open and available to leaving behind their status as fishermen and their stable livelihood to follow him, right? To seek him and place worth and status in him and not in what they did. And we see this with his, with his other disciples. I mean, if you're Jesus and you're coming down to change the world, you would think that he would pick like the people with highest status, with the most influence, with the most education. But it's oftentimes it's the opposite. Right? And in fact, Jesus would openly defy those very people, right? the Pharisees. So we see now that it's because they were available that they were called to a life of more. Right? They were seeking the Savior and not seeking status. And they became a few of his 12 closest followers that we now call the disciples. And that, in my opinion, is status goals. So friends, let status become the byproduct of your availability to God. Seek him and seek his plans for your life. Put your worth in him. It's through this posture that I believe you will achieve fresh revelation of what it means to live a fulfilling life. So what does availability look like? Well, I think it's being present and being active in our relationship with God, right? Being intentional about the choices that we are making and setting boundaries in our lives that will ultimately push us closer towards him. And these look different for everyone. But I would like to encourage you all in being present when you are here at Sanctuary, right? We believe that God is doing amazing things here in this ministry. So when you're here, please be here. And I don't know about you, but I used to be the guy that would show up at 7.05 and then sit down and then leave as soon as the pastor would say, see you next week. And for me, that's something that I probably needed in that season in order for me to grow in my relationship with God. But please don't get stuck in that rhythm. Right? Try to meet people. Try to put yourself out there. Try to make community for yourself. And try to be aware of what God's nudges are when God nudges you to do more. Because for me, 
it took weeks of ignoring those nudges, and that soon turned into God saying something like, Mark, you need to quit just observing and watching the game, and you need to start playing the game. He had to, like, talk to me in sports terms. It was like, get out of the stands and start hustling down there on the court. And when I did this, my faith started to change, how I saw myself change, how I saw others change, how I saw God change. My thinking and my worth and my happiness was being refined because I was being more available to him. And really that decision to get involved, to leave behind my status as someone that had a seemingly together life, right, it all together, um, leaving that behind and instead following Jesus led me here. And that was a process and a journey that took me to amazing places and countries and allowed me to make lasting friendships and relationships. And so what are some of the ways that we can do that here? So can I also encourage you to get in the game? Right? We, have to, we have so many ways to do that. And after all, I mean, Jesus, breakdowns in Jesus teaches us that he came to serve, so we should serve as well. And if Jesus felt the need to serve, then I believe that we should too. All right, we have 10 volunteer teams that help out here each week. And I'm sure that they're full of stories of people that decided to serve as well and experienced a life change. We have 10 life groups that meet all throughout the week, all over the peninsula, all dedicated to the pursuit of getting to know Jesus. And can I say that I, I just believe that, that we need more? that some of our groups are full and we are constantly getting people that want to join. But I would love to see leaders in this community start birthing new life groups, start helping and playing a direct hand in getting someone in their pursuit to know Jesus. And yes, I get it. It can be so intimidating and scary to take that first step, but just try. If you need me or another leader to go with you on your first time, we absolutely will because we believe in what we are doing here and we will fight for you to find your place in this community. Now I'm gonna close out our time with some questions to some groups in our community that are all around the room. And as I'm doing this, I would like you to consider this question as I hope that we can all press in and start to, to just see how we can start applying this in our lives. So to my tech and the working people that are here, you are shaping the world with what you're making, what you're involved in. Whether that is influencing people in tech, whether that's equipping future leaders, or contributing to something bigger than yourself, you have a certain influence in the future. And I want to encourage you and tell you that you too have a ministry. You guys also have influence, right? And are you available to partnering with God to share that influence with him, right? It could be something like setting a more loving work culture. It could be loving a coworker better, seeing a coworker through Jesus's eyes, or maybe even directly ministering to those around you in the office. So what does it look like to be open and available to God when you are at work? Um, another group, au pairs and international friends. Many of you have traveled the world to get here and you've left behind your friends and your family. I'd just like to say welcome and thank you for choosing us, right? And how are you gonna allow God to make the most out of your time here? You might be here for a year, maybe seven months, but make it the best seven months of your life. Get plugged in, get the, get the community. Right, you have been chosen to come here. So how will you respond to that calling? Students, this might be this, the most fun and exciting and joyous times of your life, or it could be the most stretching and growing and difficult seasons. And I hope and I pray that you could be present in the part that God has for you here. Right, despite the craziness of being a student, how can you be open to God's nudges and be available to be a light on your campuses? New friends, people that are here for the first time or the first couple times or maybe the first month, but you still feel like you are, you're new, I would love to encourage you just to jump in, to find and make community here for yourselves. Join a team, join a serving opportunity, become one of the old friends, 
old friends, friends that have been around for multiple seasons, will you use your knowledge and your experience to help make Sank such an inviting and awesome and exciting place that everyone that comes here tonight has to share it? What does leadership look like to you? What does serving look like to you? What does mentorship or discipleship look like to you? Consider what these look like as you come to sanctuary. And finally, here's a question for everyone in this room. We're all influencing or leading someone or something, whether we know it or not. And we know that the best leaders, the best influencers are those that know how to lead themselves. So this week, how will you lead yourself? How will you put down your pursuit of status and shift an achieving mindset to an availability mindset? So friends, I hope that you could see that working for status, working for the sake of achieving in the hope that happiness will come alongside of it will never be as fulfilling as partnering with God in achieving what his hopes and dreams and plans for your life are. Think about setting status and fame and reputation aside and instead consider how you can be a blessing to others. Strive to become better and achieve more, not to increase your status, but to increase our capacity and our availability for God. Let's pray. God, just thank you so much for this time. Um, I pray that everyone in this room would be encouraged to stake, to take steps towards you, to become more available to you. God, I pray that we would all count, um, count ourselves as in, in the game, in here in this community, God. Um, you came down, you counted your status as nothing for us, right? You showed us the ultimate example of what status looks like, God. So I pray that us as a community, um, that we could be pointed towards you, God. We love you.